November 3rd. And now as we turn our attention to the New Testament, our reading today will be in the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. And here's what we'll find there as we read. Just as the Jewish high priest was appointed by God, so our great high priest was appointed by the Father, and he alone is worthy to serve. Never allow anybody to come between you and God, for Christ is the only mediator. The order of Melchizedek refers to Genesis. Being from the tribe of Judah, Jesus could not serve as priest on earth, but he can serve as priest in heaven. He is there ministering for you today, right now. And we'll read about being perfected. Jesus had to prepare for his priestly ministry by experiencing the trials his people experience as they walked by faith. Because of the life that he lived and the death that he died, he is able to identify with your needs and give you grace to see you through. In other words, he understands and he helps. And we'll read about being neglected. The milk of the word represents the first principles of the Christian life. That is what Jesus Christ did for us when he was on earth. The meat of the word is the teaching about what Jesus is now doing for us in heaven. His ministry is high priest. How sad it is when Christians neglect God's word and stop growing in grace. And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. November 3rd, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. Now a high priest is a man chosen to represent other human beings in their dealings with God. He presents their gifts to God and offers their sacrifices for sins. And because he is human, he is able to deal gently with the people, though they are ignorant and wayward. For he is subject to the same weaknesses they have. That is why he has to offer sacrifices, both for their sins and for his own sins. And no one can become a high priest simply because he wants such an honor. He has to be called by God for this work, just as Aaron was. That is why Christ did not exalt himself to become high priest. No, he was chosen by God, who said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. And in another passage, God said to him, You are priest forever, in the line of Melchizedek. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings, with a loud cry and tears to the one who could deliver him out of death. And God heard his prayers because of his reverence for God. So, even though Jesus was God's Son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest, and he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. And God designated him to be a high priest in the line of Melchizedek. There is so much more we would like to say about this, but you don't seem to listen, so it's hard to make you understand. You have been Christians a long time now, and you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things a beginner must learn about the Scriptures. You are like babies who drink only milk and cannot eat solid food. And a person who is 
living on milk isn't very far along in the Christian life and doesn't know much about doing what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who have trained themselves to recognize the difference between right and wrong and then do what is right. I pray that the Lord's blessing will be upon us, that He'll help us, that He'll have mercy, because one thing is for sure, we are always in need of mercy. Always. In the last two years of my life, a word that just keeps coming more and more at me in my own life, and every time I preach, reality is the word. Where is the reality of Scripture in your life? What we teach on this morning, I don't care. I don't care at all whether or not you say yes or no, amen, or so be it. Because you can acknowledge all the truths of Scripture. You can be orthodox. You can go down through all the great creeds of Christianity and say yes, yes, a thousand times yes. But if it's not a reality in your life, it does you no good. For many will come before Him on that day and say, Lord, Lord, and He'll say, Depart from me, I never knew you. It's just the reality of it. When you live in a country where even the most pagan believe to have some relationship with God, but know this, you'll have heard God's Word with a blade not dulled so as to make churches grow in all the wrong ways. But a blade to cut your heart as deep as it can be cut that you might be saved. Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for my holy name which you have profaned among the nations where you went. I sometimes have preached in conferences and it just seems like almost the Lord has a sense of humor. Before I get up to preach, someone will sing a song that's just so unbiblical that it shakes me up so bad I don't even know how to find my text. And one of the songs that have often been sung is this song that says, I just don't know what God saw in me that He would save me. I don't know the worth that He found in me that He would save me. And after I get up and I look and I say, look, folks, uh, before I start my sermon, let me just answer the question of the person who sang. He did not see any worth whatsoever in you so as to save you. He saved you for two primary reasons. First of all, He saved you for His own glory. He saved you to demonstrate how great He is that a God like Him would take interest in a vile person like you and me. Secondly, He saved you because He is love. It is a part. It is what He is. He loves because He is love. He does not love because that love is drawn out of Him by some motivation springing forth from you. When God looks at a man apart from Christ, the only thing He could be motivated to do is judge him. But God is moved in love to save for His own glory and to demonstrate His power. Now, why do I say that? I say that because you need to understand something. Salvation 
is not a mere human decision by which people decide to jump out of the line going to hell in order to jump into the line going to heaven. Salvation is a supernatural work of God whereby the power of God is so manifested that it either parallels or exceeds the power of God manifested when He created the world. When God saves an individual, His power, His attributes, the essence of who He is, is going to be so manifest that even the pagan, unbelieving world is going to note a difference. In American evangelicalism today, you are going to heaven because you repeated a superstitious prayer. You supposedly asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart. You raised your hand, but there is no difference whatsoever in your life. And that's what we're looking at. Reality. What is the reality of God in your life? Our reading today is from Psalm 105, verses 1 through 15. Now, the previous psalm extols the Creator, while this one exalts the Redeemer and His providential care for His people, Israel. It talks about His deeds. When you read the history of Israel, you are encouraged by God's mighty and marvelous deeds wrought for His needy people. You want to praise Him, rejoice in Him, seek Him, and tell others about Him. And we'll read about His covenant. God bound Himself by an oath to only one nation, Israel. He gave His promise to Abraham and then reaffirmed it to His descendants. The covenant was their assurance that they would inherit the land. God's new covenant people have the assurance that their future inheritance is secure. And we'll read about his servants. God sent Joseph to Egypt to preserve Jacob's family so that they could become a nation. He sent Moses to Egypt to deliver his people. He sent Aaron to assist Moses and serve as high priest for a sinful people. The point is, God always has a man or woman ready to send when a job must be done. He wants to hear you say, Here am I, Lord, send me. Psalm 105, verses 1 through 15. Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim His greatness. Let the whole world know what He has done. Sing to Him. Yes, sing His praises. Tell everyone about His miracles. Exult in His holy name. O worshipers of the Lord, rejoice! Search for the Lord and for His strength, and keep on searching. Think of the wonderful works He has done, the miracles and the judgments He handed down. O children of Abraham, God's servant, O descendants of Jacob, God's chosen one, He is the Lord our God. His rule is seen throughout the land. He always stands by His covenant the commitment he made to a thousand generations. This is the covenant he made with Abraham, and the oath he swore to Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree, to the people of Israel as a never-ending treaty. I will give you the land of Canaan as your special possession, 
He said this when they were few in number, a tiny group of strangers in Canaan. They wandered back and forth between nations, from one kingdom to another. Yet he did not let anyone oppress them. He warned kings on their behalf. Do not touch these people I have chosen, and do not hurt my prophets. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 28. A lying tongue hates its victims, and flattery causes ruin.